Hello, dear heart. Welcome to the Flourishing Practitioners Podcast, where we talk all things about space holding, caring for our clients, and succeeding in our businesses. We explore the wisdom from coaches, counselors, and healers. My name's Gabrielle Walker, and I'm so honored that you're here. Let's dive in. This next episode is with Simone Butler, a medicine woman, activist, co-author of The Double-Edged Sword, the Simone Butler story, and this divine woman came into my life via Twitter, I think, and then we reconnected based on some shamanic practice trainings. We recorded this conversation together in January 2022, so way more than a year ago, so I'm sure that there's a few things that would have changed for both of us, but for me, Simone's honesty and integrity and truth and knowledge and wisdom really shines through. I have always found her story to be moving in many ways. I've been trying to find a word to describe the sentiment or the feeling that I got and get when I'm around someone and her energy and I can't quite find it but I hope that you feel it through her journey, her sharing, her openness, her willingness to to be so transparent and honest and open about what she's been through. I think a lot of us can learn from that. I know that there's lots of things I've been through in my life that I have no idea how to share or haven't processed and don't underestimate the power and the behind the scenes work that it goes to write a book like this, to expose some of the shit that's happened to you because you go through a whole a huge huge journey to share your truth sharing our truth is not an easy thing when you see people out there who are sharing their story or their wisdom or in any way being willing to be seen it's not easy so man I just adore this woman and I deeply hope that you benefit from our conversation together many blessings we are talking with the beautiful Simone Butler and this Kōrero Miri Miri is really special for me. I feel like we've been connected for a long time uh, in the non-physical in a way. Also, in my journey has been connected to yours in different ways. At, we touch points, we have these connections. And I was when I was tapping in this morning and uh, looking actually at the blurb of your book that you've written, this beautiful double-edged sword, and it said that uh, the experiences you went through happened in 2003, which was the same year that my experiences happened. So that just gave me a deep tingle that some of the journey. So so Simone is a medicine woman who walks a shamanic path, helps many different people, uses flower essences, uh, card readings, drawing on different energies in nature, but also her own experience to hold space for people. I'm sure you'll speak more to that in this process. And for me, some of those who are the most powerful in their work are those who have had the lived experience and really know from an internal perspective of their own healing and so so in 2003 Simone Butler's violent partner um, high on methamphetamine cut off both her hands with a samurai sword and I can't even imagine what that experience was would be like from my 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 experience but reading this book for me was really raw and it brought up a lot of things, um, that, that sort of relationship between power and not having power and who we are as women and the strength we know now. But when you sometimes it's like I think of my experiences in the past and I can't even conceptualise, so I'm really excited to, 
don't know if excited is the right word, but <laughs> excited to hear um, from you of your journey on that aspect. And I also, another reason that prior to even connecting with you, it was, I think it was on Twitter at the time um, when I was involved with the Red My Lips, but then I saw you did shamanic work as well. And so I was like, ah, oh, this woman, I really feel connected to her. So for me, uh, part of the reason, um, and I haven't spoken about this for a really long time, but um, I was also raped in 2013, 2003, and when I found you, it was when I was for the first time sort of sharing publicly about my experience and uh, working through that healing aspect. And the campaign I was involved with was called Red My Lips. It's a really beautiful campaign that happens every April. I'm not so much involved with that now because I feel like that part of my healing was more... Um, yeah, that reclaiming power, stamping the stake in the ground, and I've dropped back into a different space with it now, clearing out some of the, my own things. But yeah, so the point of all that is to say your book is deeply touching. Um, but yeah, definitely a, we say trigger warning for this episode, but also for the book, I, I would say too. I had to take my time reading it and pick it up and put it down at different points just to process through, through the things that were in there. Um, so it's a gift in that way. So yeah, please, uh, I would love to hear just what comes forth for you to share about your own experience or anything I've said in the first instance. Well, for me, you know, writing the book was actually really, really cathartic. It was made out of 17 years worth of journals and, um, the writing process was, um, it was how I got my head back together. You know, I was doing, I also learned all of these other modalities um, to help myself heal, but being able to go through the journals and look and see where I'd been and identify my patterns and that sort of thing, that was the kind of gold that came out of writing the book for me. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize how cathartic it would be. I also didn't realize how destroying it would be, you know, later in the aftermath of the process. Um, but I'm glad because I may not have done it if I had have known. Um, but like you said, like at the beginning, when you were on your reclamation journey um, with the Read My Lips, that was, you know, telling the story wasn't so much about me saying, oh, hey, look, here I am, and this happened to me, it was more so I could show people that they're not alone. Mm. It was more so that I could show people that you can be raw and vulnerable and and heal, you know. Yeah, it was, it was such a huge process, and I had the most amazing co-writer with me. Like, we literally sat cross-legged on my bed or on her lounge suite um, for a year, you know, mm -hmm. um, working through my journals. She was really pivotal in being able to pull it into a narrative because I'm, you know, I, um, I didn't have the writing skills. Like I am a writer and I, I write all the time, but I didn't have any technical writing skills. And she is a, um, she's a qualified teacher, English teacher, she media studies. She's also a stand-up comedian, which you know, made it um, really good because I think I'm hilarious too. And so even though it's full of such heavy, painful, raw trauma, 
Um, we also tried to keep it light in some places. And we also, like you said, it took a while for you to get through. We were very conscious that a lot of it was so heavy and so triggering that we tried to write it in really little blocks. So you'll see some of the um, some of the chapters in it are actually only half a page long or um, or three pages long, you know, so that people could just take it in snippets. Um, and one of the things, the thing I guess that has been most um, rewarding for me is having women. Um, message me and tell me that I put into words everything they couldn't, that they have been looking for a way to articulate and express themselves, you know, to find the language that they needed for the abuse that they'd experienced. And so then reading my book helped them find out what they needed, helped them identify places where they needed healing, you know, because that's what triggers are for us. They are these things that identify these areas um, that we need healing. And, and as you acknowledge, you know, my book does come with a content warning on it. It has, um, you know, there is sexual violence, there's animal violence, there's family violence, um, there is child abuse, there's neglect, there's... Um, you know, um, emotional violence, coercive control. And I think we don't talk about these things, you know, when I was growing up, um, you know, I come from a very long line of amazing strong women, but we also have a lot of trauma and a lot of abuse in our past. And, um, and they've overcome it, you know, but they, um, you know, and they've, they've had addictions and they've had pain and they've had all of this stuff and they've just kept going. And, um, and so I really wanted to be able to, to tell my story so honestly, because I was growing, when I was growing up, you weren't allowed to talk about what went on behind closed doors, you know, tell them nothing, take them nowhere, was what I was brought up on. Um, and shame, you know, like my mum was just raised in this total shame where you, what would the neighbours think? And you don't hear your dirty laundry in public. And, you know, and same with my nana as well. So these women suffered in silence um, with their own pain and their own trauma. And they never reached out for help because, um, you know, they had a stiff upper lip. They were British. They were both born in Britain. Uh, well, my nana was born in Ireland, but my mum was born in Britain um, in, in England. And, um you know, they they had to sit with their pain because they couldn't talk about it and it wasn't even frowned upon. I mean, you know, domestic violence wasn't even illegal. Rape wasn't even illegal back then. Um, and so part of the reason that I really wanted to tell the story is to encourage others to stand up, to, to encourage others to... Um, to identify what's going on with them. You know, this isn't about blaming anybody. This is just about opening up to healing. And we can't open up to healing unless we really look at where we've been. But I, I really want to acknowledge because I felt reading it that that uh, that aspect of it, that it, there, there is all of that that you spoke of. And also the piece, what, what I found I think what was the triggering aspect to me, it was, it was so in the moment. You know, sometimes you read things and it's like, you can feel that they're talking about their past and they've had some time to conceptualize it and think through, but it was so in the moment. Um, and that was quite like, whoa, you were in it. 
with with you and walking alongside you and it was like yeah that 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 moved me a lot but the piece I want to touch on I've written a few things down to to go off on tangents and I already before I was tapping and I was like we could go in so many directions I know I think we could do like three like this I know, we should, we should actually do that <laughs> um but the piece that I I'm curious about for uh my own uh, aspect is understanding about with your family when you're telling these stories how, how you hold that or do, and for other people who may be navigating their healing and what they you know when you're in that space of sort of picking apart all the different pieces and what you, what your history is but also holding your family or other loved ones in that is there any um, thoughts on that that you would have to offer it was it was really hard um my mum did not want me to write it she's really proud now um she did not want me to tell family stories some of my aunties um didn't want to one of my aunties that's passed um was very vocal to me about how I was going to ruin our entire family and um and then of course she her and my mum were very anti it so I actually told my mum um you're not even in it um it's just about violence and healing. It's just about my journey through that relationship and stuff. And for, you know, like for a while, it sort of was. Um, but then there was just so much that I had to keep going and things. But I actually, I was very light on my mum. Like, like she did the best that she could with what she had. Um, and I am so grateful to all of the lessons that that she taught me and for the strength and the optimism that um that she has shown me for her while I was writing it because she was living with me for the last two years in fact she was living with me um when it came out in the world I threw her out um in the last phases of publishing because you know I had to I had to weigh up that it was gonna have a lot of impact on on some people and possibly a negative impact you know because there are other people that are affected by my story and that are and have been part of my journey um and so I just tried to be as respectful as possible I tried I tried really hard to not get anyone arrested um and I tried really hard to um yeah to be really mindful of me just telling my story these are my experiences you know everyone else that may have been there would have experienced things differently but this is just from where I sat how you know how my experiences unfolded for me you know there were a lot of flower essences that really got me to the point where I felt comfortable enough to be able to speak my truth and I felt comfortable enough comfortable enough to go I am what I am like this is who I am and this is my journey and it doesn't matter about what anyone else thinks because what I have to say is actually really important and the people that need it will get it the mm -hmm. you know the people that don't get it they're not my people yeah. and that's okay yeah I love that and I think it's it's part of in a way becoming an adult as well is like going we can't please everyone and some people and just I tried so hard for yeah. so many years yeah um to my own detriment and then the other piece I wanted to speak on which is something I think we don't speak on a bit in it or ask you about was you mentioned that when you finished the book it was quite a a, a full-on intense process for you and I think sometimes we don't speak about that that when you do achieve a dream or a goal that you've been working towards that it can be quite there can be grief or other experiences involved absolutely I was you know I was joking um 
for like two years there, I was like, can you get postnatal depression from birthing a book? You know, like I actually, it was the most amazing process and writing it and um, and being, I'd never been in a, um, in a creative endeavor like that with somebody else, you know, that was amazing for me. Um, and the whole process of writing it was amazing. The whole process of, um, of publishing it and then I went out and into the world with it and um, I had ideas about how things would happen and none of those <laughs> happened. Um, I did a couple of free talks at some libraries. We put it all out to the Auckland libraries in the um, city that I live in and um, for me to do three talks and only three libraries were interested. So, um, and there's like 50 of them. So that was, I was like, oh, okay, never mind. And then um, I did um, lots of interviews and things like that. And I was just getting all this exposure, but exposure is not sales. And so then that was a little bit disheartening because I thought, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm talking to all these people and I'm doing all this stuff. And, um, and then as well as that, um, in 2000, so it came out at the end of 2016. So 2017, I was trying to do free author talks and do things and stuff. And um, and I tried a couple of markets. I think I might have done two markets, three markets that year. And it actually took so much out of me. Like I didn't realize, like it's one thing to be sitting there writing away, you know, cross-legged on your bed um, and, and it all just be a concept. But actually having it out there um, with people that could read it and judge it like that was a whole other thing and then also you know inviting people into my life and like you know I was very raw and graphic you know I pulled no punches it was um, you know like I talked about thinking that my vagina was going to be broken for the rest of my life like there were so many really intimate um, raw things in there and stuff and so it actually got to the point where I was like, I don't want anyone else to know about this. Um, <laughs> and so by 2018, I was like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I haven't, you know, and that is my healing journey, my, my journey to then and, you know, into and out of hell, if you will. Um, it was still, still ongoing for me. Like the book had come out, but now I had this other sort of mountain to climb and it brought up all of these other things. Going down the rabbit hole and having all of these mental health issues, which I mean they're just normal, you know, trauma reactions. <laughs> but I couldn't I couldn't handle pressure. I couldn't handle stress. I couldn't look at emails. I couldn't answer the phones. And I'd done so much work that I was like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? I don't understand how I cannot be sorted when I have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars and I have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours. And so I realized that it's layers. So I'm just constantly unpicking layers and reweaving, um, unpicking and reweaving the fabric of my life. And so I enrolled myself in um, the advanced shamanic studies at, um, at Medicine Woman. Um, and that really helped me to, um, to not be discombobulated. It helped me to reaffirm who I am. It helped me to, um, to build the balance of power that I needed um, and to clear out the rest of the dross, you know, that was weighing me down. And, you know, there's still more things to clear out and stuff. But it was, it was when I, that was when I realized, I was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to go forward. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm such a mess and I can't deal with the world. It really helped me 
get myself strong enough. It really helped me um, remember who I am and um, and get my mind straight again because my mind, you know, it it had gone. It had it had gone to a point where I all of my PTSD symptoms had returned. You know, I couldn't handle pressure. I was having nightmares. I couldn't sleep. Again, it was completely destroying, but in a good way, you know, but it was, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it really did turn me inside out and ferret out all of these issues that needed to be dealt with and brought up so much stuff to the surface um, for me to transcend and transmute. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I did it. Like I, I may not have done that if I hadn't, you know, hit a form of rock bottom um, after the book came out, um, but yeah, and, but in saying that, like, the whole time I was still, I still felt really great, you know, it was, I was so proud of myself, but I, yeah, so I then had to grieve for all of these delusions that I had about how it should be, um, but yeah, again, empowering, but it was not at all what I thought, and so surrender, I've just been surrendering and surrendering and surrendering. Um, and now, because I'm talking with you now, you know, um, I'm ready to go, okay, let's see if I can take yeah. this book out to the world and show people um, how they can heal and what they can do and share my journey again. Um, and, and I think that's a piece, even regardless of what you're offering, not if it's a book, you know, whatever, if you're doing healing or because a lot of the people that are engaged with these from our end are healers and that same thing that you say, it's like there's an idea of how things should work or like step tic-tac-toe, but especially if we're doing healing work, we there's a different energetic timing. So would you say anything about that, like how to exist within both worlds? Because we do exist within yeah, both. Yeah, I feel like I always have a foot in both worlds. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for me to exist, like I don't feel like I really do exist out in that world, you know, like I live a very insular life. Um, and we've had a lot of lockdowns here in, um, in Auckland um, over the last two years. But so like I'm not out there going to parties and doing things like I am happiest when I am at home or whether I'm in nature. And um, and so they are the two things that I, you know, that I take with me when I have to go out into the world and do things. Um, also, um, you know, ritual, things that are just for myself, things that are really special, that connect me to my source, that connect me to my soul, that connect me to my spirit. Um, and it can be just as simple as going outside and standing on um, on the grass for a few minutes, or it can be a full-on, you know, proper ritual at my altar where I'm going through specific steps, doing specific things. But yeah, I guess for me, the way that I can exist in both worlds is by having my spiritual and my metaphysical world um, fully embraced around me you know I have my spiritual cloak on me no matter where I go and that is what helps me exist in the world you know um, over the last couple of years I was involved in a web series and a domestic violence prevention and awareness web series and you know I guess for most people they would just go along and do their thing but every time that I was filming I would spend three days doing rituals, like bringing up the energy, doing all of this stuff to prepare myself so that I wasn't getting triggered as I was talking to people, so that I wasn't um, 
so that I was as pristine and clear as I could be so that none of my stuff was spilling over. Um, and I, you know, I talked about having stuff spilling over before. And so for me, it's flower essences and ritual and, and nature that help me to contain myself. And if I can contain myself, then I'm okay out in the world. But I spend a lot of time not with people. I was going to say, I hear you. (laughs) And and can you speak on, um, I don't know exactly what I'm asking, but whatever comes forth on soul retrieval, because I really liked as well in the book where you said, and I use it now sometimes, I'll I'll voice it to people with um, extending an open invitation for our soul to return. And the first time I read that was in your book. And I thought that was really cool. What it is, we call it um, singing the soul back home. And so with soul retrieval, and I mean, soul retrieval is just one very tiny part um, of shamanic work. um, And many of them come together. But with soul retrieval specifically for myself, um, you know, well, for all of us, when, um, when a traumatic thing happens, you know, you might hear someone say, oh, I jumped out of my skin. Or, um, or um, I feel like I lost a part of myself, you know, or I, um, yeah, well, those main two things, you know, I, I feel like I lost a part of myself, I feel like something is missing, I've never been the same since XYZ. Um, and so with soul retrieval, um, we do a journey, which is like a, I guess, a visualization meditation exercise. And we call the lost and fragmented parts of the soul home. So the way that I do it for myself is um, I work with, depending on what parts I want to call home. So say I wanted to, um, to well, say I wanted to call home the traumatized parts of myself, I would work with um, one of the trauma essences, so one of the ferns, um, number 100, Mahoe, which is in a fire. It's like the shaman's drum. It helps us raise the vibration to where we need to go. Um, and then I would work with um, 101, 102, and 103, which is past, present, and future, um, Horopedo, Tree Daisy, and Native Angelica. And so they help us go to the past, bring it back into the present, and then take it into the future, whatever it is that we're getting. And then 104, Red Matapo is the actual soul retrieval one. So that, and then I would use integration as well, which is 105 Tower. So it's a nice little set. Um, And I would take those essences prior to my journey, set my intention, take the essences. And my intention would be, I call all of the lost parts of myself home that are ready to come. And I call them home to me now to be safely integrated. And then I would wait and um, and before that I would have done um, a journey to get my power animal and chatted with him and sorted all that out you know like there are many levels and and layers to this Um, and then for um, as as my um, and we always call the parts that are ready to come home you know there's no we don't want to fight with them like if they're not ready they're not ready everything has to be in perfect timing and when they start arriving I ask them some questions. Um, why did you leave? What did you? What do you need to stay? And um, how can I help you? You know, how can I help you feel safe? Um, and so, with some of them, you know, my um, there've been little kids, the little parts of me that have come home, and so I've welcomed them, and you know, I've had to spend sometimes five or ten minutes 
talking with them saying I, I understand that when you left it was very unsafe and that you were very scared um, and I understand that you weren't treated right and you know and just the way that you would talk to to a you know to a child um, that needs to be consoled and um, and I try to make them aware that they can come home now that things are different that I promise that that will never happen again um, I ask them what they need and it might be a hug, you know, it might be a pony, like, you know, whatever it is um, that they need to feel safe and then I integrate them in to me. Um, um, they were all women, they were all grown-ups, this last lot that all came home and they were on this beautiful like risen boardwalk like over this crystal clear reflective lake and there was this absolutely gorgeous arch with roses um, all over it and things and I was actually Mimi was in the um, in the arch like welcoming them and they just they were for kilometers you know like this is and it's um, yeah and it was it was just so beautiful um, but it's really integral for me to, to do this because I have you know I've been through so much trauma and I, I guess I'd, I'd be curious about and you can use examples of the shamanic practices or soul retrieval or whatever you feel called to speak on, but that aspect of how you see trauma forming and healing and its journey or its whakapapa, I guess, from your experience, having, having gone through that and the, both sides of it. So the first action of trauma, when it happens to us, you mean? Um, yeah, so in the first instance, when something happens to us, it comes into our energy field. So even if it hasn't come into our, um, our even if it has come to our physical body, but before that, it comes into our energy field and things get stuck there, things get trapped there. So when something, um, say, um, say verbal abuse, say you are verbally abused um, at school or at home or something like that, and it's never dealt with and so then you carry that so that goes into your energy field you know and then because our energy field is magnetic it starts to we may start to attract that sort of energy to us because it's already stuck in our energy field um, and so that's why it's so important to clear our energy um, you know we call it aura clearing um, because trauma gets stuck in our energy field. Now, if we haven't cleared that out of our energy field, it's then going to come into our energy centers. So into our physical body. And that is, I mean, it's our metaphysical body. Um, but so that is into our chakras, you know, and we'll just go with, with the basic seven to start with. Um, and so then they, you know, and that also they settle into our cellular consciousness. So we have, you know, every cell, the trillions of cells in our body, they take on that trauma as well. You know, it's carried in the water and, um, and, and we're water. So, um, so once it's come in to our energy centers, if it doesn't get cleared out of that, then that causes blocks, that causes stress, it causes it skews our view of the world and ourselves. And that, I think, is the most important thing. It skews our view, our, our view of ourselves. So then we start feeling like we're a victim or we, um, we don't feel good enough, you know. We, we've had this trauma put on us so much and now we believe it. Um, and then the next, if we don't get it out of our energy centres, then it's going to go into our energetic DNA. So then that's when we start... Um, 
carrying our trauma through to our children and through our DNA line. Um, and of course, the trauma from our ancestors has already come through to us through our energetic DNA. And, um, and then as well as that, it, um, it comes with all of the fears. So the more, you know, we get out, we get our, um, our fears that have come through the generations. Um, it just constantly impacts us. You know, we don't realize that, you know, and all of this is invisible. All of this is, is in us and we carry it with it or carry it with us, but we don't see it necessarily or even acknowledge it. You know, we may, we may have blacked out that experience um, from that, that caused the trauma in the first place. Um, or we may have been living in such unsafety that our entire life was filled with many, many, many um, different traumatic events that have just sort of stuck in everywhere. And then um, we're in patterns and cycles of, um, of trauma and abuse that seem really hard to get out of. So, um, so coming back to the aura, so then that's when um, we work on aura cleansing, you know, there we go through all of the layers of the aura and cleanse that out. There are seven um, fundamental human traumas that we go through. Um, and so the first one is physical trauma. And with the flower essences for the, um, they have a specific trauma kit, um, which is the ferns. Um, and ferns are known as the skin of the earth. You know, it keeps us, um, keeps us safe, if you will. Um, and so the first trauma essence is number 37, um, king fern, and that helps us to clear out um, physical trauma. So that, that, for me, that was quite a big one. I used a lot of that when I was working through um, clearing out my trauma. Any accidents for any incidents or attacks in my case, um, for abandonment, for anything that impacts us on a physical level, um, King Fern helps to clear that out. And then the next um, fundamental trauma that humans can go through is emotional um, slash sexual. And that is tied in with the second band of power, which is um, at a sacral level. Keyword is boundaries. It's number 38 and it's rasp fern. And again, that is where we store um, trauma from any emotional abuse that's happened, you know, um, especially with codependency and things like that in families, a lot of familial abuse, and also any sexual abuse, whether it was actually sexual assault, um, whether it was sexual harassment, whether it was just made to feel unsafe. Um, and then the next um, fundamental trauma that humans go through is um, empowerment disempowerment and the um we have a flower essence for that which is number 39 and that is shaking break fern um and so and i'm actually um going through a process at the moment of reworking with um my with that particular layer of trauma with um the empowerment and disempowerment and it um correlates to the sacral chakra not the sacral chakra sorry the um solar plexus chakra and um and then to the dna it um is all about non-judgment you know not judging ourselves not judging other people after the empowerment trauma, we have heartfelt trauma. So that's things like betrayal, um, 
you know, again, abandonment, anything that hurts you in your heart, you know, that that is deeply wounding, heartbreak, breaking up of relationships, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then, and that is 40, which is silver fern in the trauma, trauma kit for that. Um, and then the next one, which um, I've taken today, is for, for this, I took all of the layers for the um, for the throat chakra for um, for everything yeah yeah so we could just speak the truth and have everything that needed to come come um, that is forty one and that was Prince of Wales fern and that is the key work of respect and that is um, for the bands of power around speaking our truth speaking up um, and around the throat chakra and so the trauma around that is. Um, healing and um is to be able to heal ourselves um and yeah and respect it's about um having respect for ourselves having respect for others having respect for everything and so that's for all the times that we've been disrespected for every single time that someone didn't respect our boundaries for someone that didn't respect our feelings for any time that that we were disrespected you know and the thing with trauma is it doesn't have to be like the big big crazy traumas you know um I and I've worked through it now but I had a teacher tell me some stuff in primary school that deeply wounded me and I held on to it um and it was only in the last few years that I went oh my goodness oh my goodness, I, I need to release that. Like I was holding on to this thing that this person, this relief teacher had told me, um, you know, when I was like seven or eight, you know, our woundings, you can't judge someone else. You never know what's going to wound someone. You know, two siblings could go through a divorce and one will be fine and the other, it will impact them traumatically for the rest of their life. Um, and so we, I think, Modern, the modern medical model is so in a box for trauma. They're like, you have to have this, 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 and this. Otherwise, you don't qualify for this diagnosis, you know. Um, and so that's why I much prefer a holistic um, a holistic approach to it. It's looking at the whole person and not trying to squeeze people into um, box, pre-existing boxes. To it is star fern and it is... Um, Authenticity. So that is like the gaslighting essence. That's when our reality has been negated, when people have told us, or rather the fundamental trauma for that is when people have negated our reality, when people have told us that what we know to be true is not true. Mm. Um, you know, when we're like, oh, this happened to me. Like for a really good example is when I was in an abusive relationship, you know, I, I would get beaten up, which happened, you know, rather frequently. Um and then, but in the aftermath of it, I would be told, oh, but I would never hurt you. I love you so much. I would never hurt you. I would never hurt you. I couldn't hurt you. I couldn't hurt you and sort of things. So then that's going on in my mind going, oh, I couldn't hurt me. Oh, maybe I'm not hurt. You know, it was just, it was, it was very, um, it made me doubt myself completely that I knew, you know, the things that I knew to be true, I was constantly being told were not true. And um, and so then it made me doubt my mind, my ability to um, to judge things, my ability to understand what was going on. And then the last fundamental trauma that humans go through is spiritual trauma. So, for instance, um, I have an example of this. My beautiful, beautiful nana is religious. 
And when I was a little girl, I was very off of the fairies. You know, I was talking to apple tree fairies in her garden. I was talking to plants. I was um, seeing things and feeling things and, and just really, I was total little nature sprite. And I went to my Nana one time and told her about this amazing conversation that I had had with um, the fairies in her garden. And she told me, stop talking nonsense. That's all lies. And if anything ever talks to you, it's the devil. And I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to the devil. You know, like it was, and that, um, you know, from that moment on, I stopped connecting in the way that had been so natural to me. Um, and then on the other side of it, people that have been indoctrinated, you know, into a specific religion when they know it's not for them, but their parents have said, well, you have to come, you have to do this. Or, um, yeah, and so spiritual trauma. And then also the other trauma that is spiritual trauma is not knowing, feeling forsaken, you know, not, not feeling like you can connect or you are connected, you know. So that, um, and that is 43 and the keyword for it is direction and that is plumed maidenhair fern. Those main uh fern um essences like I took them for years years and years and years um trying to clear out all of the trauma so that I could get to a point where of course you know I can't take it away I can't change the past like the stuff that happened to me happened to me um and like I'm not making this up it actually really happened um but I can't live in a place where I'm constantly in fear or in the fear that I was back then, you know, and um, and for a while I was because it was very traumatic and I was I was very fearful and very shameful. Um, and so the the first light flower essences trauma kit um, from the fern essences were my biggest allies with that at the beginning of my journey. As I progressed, you know, I moved um, more into the master teacher plants um, and the healer essences and the shamanic essences. But to start with, um, the fern allies were um, my rock. They were the things that helped me be able to clear out the trauma um, energetically out of myself so that I could actually take all of the next steps that I needed to do. Um, and so when I'm, um, if I'm working with a client that has, um, has been through trauma, you know, like I'm not, I'm not all about, you don't have to tell me every single thing that came on. Like we don't even have to talk about it in, um, you know, in the micro. We can just talk about it, um, you know, in a very abstract terms and I can still help clearing all of that out, you know. Um, I know a lot of people, um, when they go to therapy, they just talk through things and they just rehash it and rehash it and rehash it and rehash it. And that to me, was never helpful for myself. So what's your view on what that rehashing does to the energetic and the nervous system or the energy? It just gets it stuck in there because mm-hmm. um, we're re-triggering ourselves, you know. We're re- and, like, triggers I, – I like triggers personally because um, they help me to identify where I need help, um, you know. And, and also, if I'm getting triggered every day, well, then that's when I know that I've got some issues, like – where do you need healing? Just just one of those energetics I've been curious about because I really feel similar to what you said about the medical model and things being, 
you're having to have a holistic perspective different things work at different phases of your healing journey and 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 we're not well i'm not saying oh you know romi romi is that answer but it, it can be a really powerful tool within your journey and the same for flower essences and like all the work everyone does because it's not a we don't just heal like it's taken a lifetime to build up these aspects yes and i am on a lifelong healing journey mm-hmm. you know that's the thing um when you are healing from trauma it's not just okay i'm going to take these essences for a month or six months and i'm going to be 100 percent fixed like it doesn't work like that there are so many layers that come on and so many um hidden depths if you will that um that it is a lifelong journey but i you know i have the skills i have the tools i have the support that i need um and the capacity to be able to identify what's going on with me and then also with other people. Yeah, so I'm constantly using my own skills to help myself. And I realized the other day that, I mean, I haven't had a personal healing by someone else that's not me um, in like three or four years. Amazing. Um, I, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't because, you know, it's, um, I think it's really important that we do um, go to other healers and other modalities it's the texture of the timing though eh because some things some things we're meant to process on our own or it's that time like like I go through times where I'm like I don't want anyone else in my energy field at all like I need to deal with this like yes I'm triggered but or yes I'm something's coming up but I it's mine like I know that whereas other times it's like I've been working with this and working with this and working with this and like just touching base putting it out to the universe like asking where should I where should I go with it yeah and following that there's not like, yeah. and that's how I live but just surrendering it like I surrender every desire that I have I surrender um all my answers you know um I have some um some family things going on at the moment and um and it knocked me for six for a bit and I was trying to like take care of all these things and sort all the stuff out and I was sort of running myself ragged and it was like oh actually I just need to sit and have a conversation with spirit about this I need I need help I don't know what to do spirit you know please give me the guidance that I need help me see clearly um and it comes <laughs> and peace comes with that for me you know um And so out of everything, my spiritual connection, my connection to source, and this is the thing, um, if we go back to to Maidenhair, plumed Maidenhair fern number 43 with spiritual direction, um, you know, we're told, or rather modern religions are told, that you have to have an intermediary. You know, there's a priest or a pastor or someone that connects you to God or goddess or spirit or whatever it is that you want to say. And so I think it's so important for each and every individual to know, no, you don't need anyone else. Like you connect in with yourself. And so that's one of the things that I try and teach Mm. um, people that come into my orbit, you know, is to start with to just to be able to connect with themselves, you know, and it is a practice. It's not, you know, we're not all graded at all the time. Yeah, so and uh, uh, the thing that was coming up for me, which I've been really curious about, and I, I know it's a simple answer in spirit world, but sometimes in human world, I really grapple with that that relationship between 
like a passive and an active role in our own both our own healing but also surrender it's like this this idea of like visioning it similar to what you're saying about your book or about you know feeling that empowerment now and coming more out it's like how much of it is that like active visioning and creation and doing and how much of it is literally the surrender and just follow because I would say I, I tend more towards the wait for things to come to me and then follow and once that goes I'll run with it but I'm not I'm not actively energetically out often um but then that's not I feel like that's not what the world is telling us we should do so sometimes I get confused so I'd love to hear your view on that yeah the same with my course you know like part of it is very passive because I'm like well if I'm meant to be there I will be um and but also the thing is um with that because it's a really good example is of non-grasping you know um I I really want to be there and I will do this course like Mm. I will Mm. it might not be tomorrow um you know it might not be this year but I will do this course so it doesn't matter if I'm not there tomorrow but then the other half of it was like well if I was really manifesting then I should have gone out and done all these things and made it happen you know um but I couldn't see a way to make it happen so I didn't and it's not and it's not always a good use of our life force to make something happen for me I'm like yeah my life force doesn't feel like I only want to do things that my life feels you know my body feels like nourished by I I don't want to like like, even though it'll be nourished by the outcome I don't even want to do the things on the way there that don't nourish me and like uh, (laughs) I know that that sounds odd because that yeah but it's true it's like most most of the things that I do nourish me I don't know, but I'd love to hear about boundaries because I'm always working on them. I, I, I feel like some people probably think I have good ones and some people are like, you have none, depending on how they're interacting with me. <laughs> same, same. Um, yeah, because I don't, um, I have, you know, I have really strong boundaries, which I didn't for ever, you know, like the first 27 years of my life, there were no boundaries. I wasn't, I wasn't raised to have boundaries. I, I wasn't allowed to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um and you know and that carried through into my relationships yeah so I I have really good boundaries now um but there are still things that slip through you know there are um there are people on on Facebook that would like to that are you know they're not necessarily friends of mine but we you know they um we're Facebook friends and um and some of them have have a lot of issues and they bring those issues to me, not as me of their client, but because they, you know, they, um, they would appreciate my input. It's like, no, I, I owe you nothing. And that, that was a really important thing for me because after the book came out, and I had spoken publicly and I'd been speaking, you know, I started in 2014 before the book came out. I was a survivor spokesperson for Women's Refuge New Zealand and I did it for two years and it was actually really stressful and quite hard on me, um, even though I didn't, it wasn't often, you know. Um, and so one of my boundaries, again, was like, actually, I can't do that. Um, but because I had been out doing that and then I put the book out, it actually seemed like the energy coming at me was of entitlement like everyone all of a sudden felt entitled to me entitled to my story entitled to my time and that was that was one of the things that I that that actually started to mess me up because um all of a sudden it was like I wasn't 
a private individual person, all of a sudden it was just like apparently the world owned me and I owed my time to everybody. And, you know, if someone wanted to interview me, then I had to interview with them or if someone, yeah, people just, it, it, it really felt like, um, like the whole world disrespected me and just wanted to use me. Um, and so that was that was another one of the you know the the contributing factors. And that's so interesting because I re- I can't remember when it was. It was it was after we'd been chatting because we weren't chatting a lot, but just every once in a while we'd ex- and it was normally about shamanic things. <laughs> but we'd, we'd exchange something, and I remember I had a memory one time after we'd exchanged a message of um, seeing your face on Women's Day. Like it, it was just random. Like I hadn't. Um, you know, like it just popped in after we chat. And I, and then I was really sitting with that. Like, I think there is a weird thing about that separation of something being on. And it's I think it's a bit different now because the world's a bit different. But especially at that time, that separation of like, here's something tangible that's separate from me. Yes, yes. And that was like yeah. at the beginning, you know? I was like, I am my book and this. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not my book. Yeah. That is just some hate expression. That is not me. And so also then, so then if people are criticizing it, it's like they're criticizing the book. They're not actually criticizing me, although they were, but um, you know, as well. But it was, I really had to separate myself out because as I was writing it, I was like, I am my book. Like I am my brand. I am, I am all this stuff, but I'm not. Mm. Like I am what I am and that is it. Um, I'm not trying to be anything else. And I've pretty much, like, I don't think of myself as anything like I don't all of the labels that I used to have are gone you know I'm I'm a human having a spiritual experience but that separation I think is is also alongside the trauma piece it's an ongoing process if we're working in this field as well because I feel as if well I'm I'm speaking for myself but doing Maori healing there's a collective aspect as well so there's some degree of people feeling that they collectively own um the 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 Maori healing aspect but then there's also this bit of like sometimes it helps me to think oh I'm this is just a role I'm just a practitioner and then other time that feels really disconnected and I'm not integrated because I actually live this whole life all the time so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well okay. also not having a label it's very it's very confusing <laughs> yeah yeah um I like that as well like I'm no matter where I mean and I said I didn't have a label but if we use a label as medicine woman like no matter where I am and what I'm going through or what someone else is going through that is always a part of me that cannot be taken away it cannot be split away from me um because it is integrated into my soul um you know it's 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 part of who I am um and working shamanically um has really helped me with that because you know there was I remember going to um Princhow and saying to her um you know I just want to be able to learn how to use this shamanic talent that I have and actually I want to be able to have the knowledge and actually do it you know be it um and then, of course, the um, she, the medicine woman school was opened to the rest of us. And 
I got to, you know, and there are many people around the world, you know, and there are so many ideals of what a shaman is and what shamanic practitioner is about, you know, the rites of passage that you have to go through and things and about being able to call yourself. And I don't call myself one, although I have the skills and the abilities. I have literally been dismembered and remembered, you know, like this, I, you know, getting chopped up. You're a manifestation of that for me. (laughs) Fast track shamanic thing that you can do, um, you know, on top of, you know, all of the other, um, I guess, what, 48 rites of passage that I've been through so far. It, It is an integral part of me and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of me. It doesn't matter if anyone else um negates my reality or tries to negate my reality or tell me that I'm not Mm. what I am because their opinions and ideas don't matter because I am exactly who I am and like I said earlier you know my people my people know that Mm. that's so beautiful I love that and I, I always say that I'm um I'm a walking, like the integration for me is like a walking prayer. That would be the label I wouldn't mind having because it's like, I'm just, whatever happens, it's like walking prayer, walking prayer. Yeah, yeah, that um, actually reminds me, I, um, one of the things that I do to align myself is medicine songs. Um, and most of them I learned at Medicine Woman, you know, and were gifted to us there. And some of them I have come across myself. Um, and one of the main ones um, that I've been working with these last two years is um, Walking in Beauty. You know, may I walk in beauty um, every day. May I walk in beauty in a sacred way. And um, and I like I try to embody that everywhere I go, whether I'm at the supermarket, whether I'm at the gas station, whether I'm at the beach, whether I'm in the forest, you know, to walk in beauty, to actually have reverence for myself and for everything that exists. Yeah, again, I'm a, walk, I'm a work in progress on my walking in beauty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but medicine woman songs are, or medicine songs are a big part of what I do mm-hmm. for myself. Um, to connect in and to connect with with my with my tribe with our waka um, and with um, my ancestors you know our our medicine circle but yeah it's just that's a really um, a really beautiful and sacred way that I connect you know it uplifts me it uplifts my spirit and it and it connects me to nature and um and for that, I'll be I'm eternally grateful. Oh, you know. Going and going and going, and I'm like, okay, and you know, and emptying, um, like draining black tar icky things out of myself, you know, pulling um, barbs and fish hooks, and you know, it's it's visualization, but it's it's very real, and and for me, it's been very necessary. Like this is the way that I have been able to heal myself. Hmm. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. I feel honoured. You're so so welcome. Thank you so much. I feel honoured. I've been, but we've been talking about this for a while and I feel so honoured and grateful that you read my book and took the time to read it um, and that you found value in it. Like that to me is, is more important than anything is that people can find the intrinsic value in it, you know, that it can actually 
even if it's nothing to do with their experiences, there's still some value in it for them. And that, um, that makes my heart happy. (laughs) Me too. Thank you. (laughs) Is there anything else um, on your heart to share at all before I ask you to close? The only other thing um, that, uh, that we haven't really touched on is I like, I live in gratitude, you know, like I am so grateful for the life that I have. I'm so grateful for the body that I have, you know, I don't measure my body on how it looks. I measure my body on how it works, um, you know, and it does, you know, I live in a disabled body 24 seven. Like I can't get away from that. I am um, classed as disabled. And for so long, I was so ableized. Is that the word? <laughs> you know, I I was so um, so the ableism around me and in the world had made me feel like I couldn't call myself disabled, and um, and that being disabled was a bad thing. You know, and while I wouldn't recommend, you know, becoming disabled the way that I became disabled, like this is my body, and it is amazing. (laughs) But I would definitely do not recommend that. Don't recommend it ever, (laughs) ever, ever. Yeah, if you ever see a red flag, like you know, if 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 you are with a person in a relationship and they push past your boundaries. They don't respect your views. They make fun of your dreams. Get out now. Get the fuck out. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Simone. I honestly grateful, grateful, grateful. Would you mind uh, doing a prayer or a song or whatever if it comes through to you to close us off? I give thanks to the four directions. I give thanks to the elements. I give thanks to the earth the air to the water and to the fire I give thanks to all of our ancestors that stand strong with us and behind us I give thanks to the plant allies all throughout the world our brothers and sisters that are growing in the earth and I give thanks to the element of air which has helped us with our open communication today and and being the element of air, I give thanks as my overlighting element for this year and for our talk. And again, I'm just so, so grateful to be part of this um, with you, Gabrielle. I'm, I'm full of gratitude. Marikura to Tipuna, to Modi, uh, Erere Kwe, Kit